I'm Libby Rothschild, former clinical dietitian who transformed into a full-time virtual business owner. It was only one year ago when I made $55,000 a year in my clinical job. And now I make $100,000 a month being my own boss. And you can do this too. My clients, who are all female dietitians and students, started from zero and created six-figure, multi-six-figure businesses by following my proven method. And they've all been guests on air. My proven method shows you how to attract cash paying clients using social media marketing strategies that work. You don't have to guess, waste time, or hold yourself back when you follow my step-by-step method. I'm here today with Jen Salib Huber, a Canadian registered dietitian and naturopathic doctor. In practice for more than 16 years, Jen helps women in perimenopause and menopause find food freedom and understand the changes their bodies are going through. Working from a health at every size approach, she teaches women to become intuitive eaters and build body confidence in their 30s, 40s, and 50s and offers evidence-based natural treatment options for their symptoms. She strongly believes that women need to come together to normalize this experience and offer small online group programs to help women feel their best. Her online program, The Thinking Woman's Guide to Perimenopause, Peri slash Menopause, is a four-week program open to women in any stage of perimenopause who are looking to regain confidence in their bodies and themselves. Welcome to today's episode. Thanks for having me, Libby. Thrilled to have you. And if you could just uh, share where everyone can find you on social media. So I'm on Instagram at menopause.nutritionist and my website is jensalibhuber.ca and uh, I'm on Facebook at Dr. Jennifer Salib Huber as well. Fantastic. Can you talk about your journey and what helped you create your business? So after becoming a registered dietitian, I went on to study naturopathic medicine and then became a naturopathic doctor in 2004. So I've been in practice now for 16 years. My practice has always had a women's health focus. And so discussions about food and weight and health were ones that I had in my office every day when I had a brick and mortar type of practice. And But starting about five years ago, I really began to question everything that I'd been taught about weight and health and especially weight loss. I'd personally experienced, you know, the harm of diet culture and how chronic dieting was hurting people and myself. And started to see how it was taking its toll on women, especially women in their 40s and 50s. I don't actually remember when I heard about intuitive eating, but I know that once I had heard about it, I committed to learning about it, you know, did some of the training programs that are available and really started to incorporate it into my practice. So the rest is history. In 2016, I committed fully to a non-diet approach and stopped prescribing weight loss. And instead, I help women focus on their health from a weight neutral approach while helping them feel their best. Fantastic. So thank you for the high level overview. Uh, <laughs> when it comes to your business, can you talk a little bit more about how, I mean, I know you've got a group, so talk about what it is that you offer and and how you offer it. So what, how did you evolve to getting to where you are now with this group? This group really came from working with women who were struggling to find food freedom, make peace with how their bodies were changing and wanting to help them 
feel like this was a normal part of their experience. So just like our bodies change and our needs change when we're pregnant, our bodies and needs change when we're in menopause as well. And so understanding what's happening helps us to not only to feel in control, but also helps us to prepare for the next stage. So it doesn't come to us as a big shock. And we're better able to take steps that feel proactive to really understand where we're coming from and where we're going. So this group came from wanting to bring women together in small groups to talk about what's happening, but also to understand what's happening and to share that collective experience and to gather information. So I think the term collective is kind of used a lot now. And I, you know, kind of these small groups, these small collectives of women who can come together. So yeah, and really beneficial to strengthen community, right? During yes. times. That's wonderful. And if you could talk a little bit more about your nutrition philosophy more in depth, I just you have such an interesting background and I love how you explain that your business and, and how you got to where you are today. Right. So I practice intuitive eating and teach intuitive eating. And my approach is always food first. It doesn't matter what we're talking about, whether we're talking about a medical condition like irritable bowel syndrome, or whether we're talking about menopause, food first, I think is is a really important approach and part of my philosophy, but it should never come at the expense of your mental health. So a large part of dietetic culture and nutrition culture has revolved around, you know, this idea of food as medicine, but kind of manipulating it sometimes into ways that are unhealthy for people's mental health. So our relationship with food really needs to be flexible and forgiving, especially in midlife, because as women in our 40s and 50s and even early 60s, we've got a lot going on, right? There's, We've got sometimes families and kids and work and older parents and all of these things that we're juggling. And so if we can't have a flexible and forgiving relationship with food, that's going to add to our list of problems to solve. Oh, well said. So beautiful. Yeah. And how do you approach goals in your business and in life? You know, it's really funny because when I was younger, I've always used a planner. I've always used an agenda and I used to like, and I'm a list maker. I love a good list, but I found that when I would make these lists that if I wasn't able to achieve them, it felt like I was failing at something. So I've kind of evolved from making these really rigid lists to things that I try on. So I kind of look at my year, break it into a quarter and say, okay, what would be three or four things that I might like to try on for the next few months? And let's see how that works out. And then to reevaluate at the end of that quarter and say, okay, what worked, what didn't, what might I want to change? So just like my relationship with food and what I teach to the people that I work with, I think that having goals of any kind, you have to be flexible and forgiving with them, right? So it's great to have dreams, but you don't want to have unrealistic goals around what you can accomplish. Can you give an example of that? Maybe with, I mean, we'll get to social media in a minute, but just any example of how you've been able to be flexible. So that's a really good lesson for us perfectionists to, to learn. Yeah, well, when I started working with you, Back in January or early February, my goal was to develop kind of packages and bundles to work with people one-on-one. And then COVID got thrown into the mix. And as a result, a lot of things changed and what I was able to offer from a kind of jurisdictional regulatory perspective. So I really kind of had to do a hard pivot kind of mid-March, early April and say, this isn't what I'm able to do. But one of my other goals that I've kind of identified is wanting to do this small group program. So being able to say, okay, this first goal that I set out and I've been working on, and even though I put all this work into it, I can't see it through right now for reasons completely beyond my control. That doesn't mean that I have to throw away everything that I've learned. I'm just going to pivot it to one of my other projects that maybe had been on the back burner and now gets a chance to kind of shine. So, and it's worked out really well because this passion project of mine has come to light and, uh, and it's been really, really fantastic to, to get this off the ground. 
I love that example. And when you say your passion project has come to light, can you talk a little bit more about what you mean by that? Well, I've always wanted to do these small group programs with women. Um, I think that when women come together, we can do incredible things. I've run other group programs before with larger numbers and smaller numbers and kind of came to the idea that I think 10 to 12 is a really good size. It's enough to feel intimate that if you have a Zoom call, you can see everyone's face, but it's it's not so small that you feel like you're talking to the same people all the time. So I loved the idea of trying to bring these women together with the common goal of not necessarily trying to fix one particular problem, but to understand where they're coming from, what's happening, because I don't think we talk about it enough in our culture. It's kind of been the thing that we've swept under the rug because it doesn't have a reproductive purpose. So, you know, it's not, hasn't been high on the women's health hierarchy. So the idea of being able to bring all of those things together, women's empowerment, women's health, nutrition, life, that's kind of the passion piece for me. That's so beautiful. Yeah, so, so so well spoken. So so nice to hear you explain that and the passion just seeps through. <laughs> I want to talk about Instagram now. What else, right? In <laughs> April, you changed your handle and you're at menopause.nutritionist now. Can you talk about the differences you've seen with that adjustment? Yeah, so I can't remember exactly when I joined Instagram, but I think my kids were pretty young because they were the the first reasons kind of why I started posting. But so let's say that it was somewhere around 2013, 2014, so seven or eight years ago. And I had used my name, Jen Huber, RDND, and used that for a really long time. It had gotten to about, let's say, 800 followers and was really kind of on the fence about what was going to be, whether or not I should keep my name, whether or not I should change to more reflect my niche. And I was on the fence for a really long time and then finally kind of just jumped into it. And it's been pretty incredible because it took me kind of seven years to get 800 followers or 850. And within a week I was up a hundred followers and, you know, I've increased 30% since I made that change kind of end of April, early May. So I think what it's done is that it's really helped to clarify to to the people that I'm engaging with, who I am and what I do. So I work with women in menopause and I work from a food first approach. I think that that speaks loud and clear now. And even though I was really hesitant because I felt like it didn't encompass everything I did and everything that I could offer, I now feel much more confident that it's helping me to engage with the kind of people that I can serve. It's amazing. And your handle is solid. Solid <laughs> handle. So I'm glad to hear Thanks. that. And uh, with respect to your offer that we've discussed and how it, you know, it's really focusing on female empowerment, which I love, if you could talk about what have been some of the challenges or what's been easier than you expected. Yeah. So, I mean, my offer, like I said earlier, has moved from doing these one-on-one bundles, which was really the bulk of my previous experience. So my previous in-person practice working with women was always one-on-one to moving to the small group online program. So it was easier than I thought to fill the 11 out of the 12 spots, which was great. I certainly, and I have an absolutely fantastic group of women who are in that program now, and I'm learning so much from them. I hope they're learning from me too. But it was interesting to kind of think about it from being a fixed date program, which was really kind of all I've ever done before to moving it to an evergreen program. So that's kind of one of my challenges that I'm kind of working through the logistics of right now, but I think it's it's all going to be good. But I really realized in this process just about how much easier it is is to be productive and to be able to see things through when you're focused on one offer. So I used to always think that you had to have a hand in many pots. And I now realize that that's not a really effective strategy 
that, you know, you're, it's definitely the jack of all trades and the master of none. I definitely feel like focusing on my offer and focusing on what that can offer women and how I want to communicate to them and what are the mediums that I want to use has been really, really educational for me. That's fantastic. And then for them, they've gotten that community and and they're happy, right? Yeah, exactly. That's fantastic. And when it comes to Instagram, how are you using it to market and sell as a platform, you know, to let women know about what you do and how you create such a strong community? My biggest thing is, I think, just trying to create content that I think is going to be helpful. So really spending some time on that and being able to reflect on conversations that I've had, reflect on what I'm seeing on Instagram, what women are talking about. So being able to create the content that's engaging and from their building relationships. So that's really kind of been the the foundation of what I've been trying to do with my Instagram account, which is definitely new. This is the biggest part of the learning experience. Even though I've been in business for 16 years, I haven't been trying to build a business online. So, you know, really understanding the strengths and limitations of that has been a big learning curve, but I've learned a lot. Yeah. And what would you say have been the top one or three tips as far as what's either helped you or yeah, what you would suggest for those who are switching online or want to start online and and might not realize are so, so important. Absolutely to niche down. Like that is number one. I can't even describe how important it is because you just can't be one person for all the things online. It's just not the way it works. You don't have you know, a shingle that's hanging outside saying what you do, people are finding you in completely different ways. It's not the yellow pages anymore, right? It's not grouped by category. So people have to know what they're looking for. And on the other side of that, as practitioners, we have to know what we're offering. So niching down and figuring out exactly whose problem you're solving would be probably the number one tip. And also just letting go of the idea that every post has to be perfect. That was a big one for me. You know, just that in a week, you're going to have some that are like hit it out of the park and then some that are going to completely get a tank, but you can get really good information from both of those that will help you to develop content that people will want to see. So helpful. I love that. Those two tips are solid, Jen. Thank you for sharing (laughs) those. Really, really well said. What is your process for creating content on Instagram? Yeah. So this was, again, was new to me because I didn't really have a process before. So I used to just kind of share things on the fly, post things on the fly without really any intention behind them or any process. So what's evolved over the last few months is that I definitely had to do my best thinking when I'm doing other things. So whether that's cooking or baking or working out or whatever it is. So I have a note file on my phone that I just dictate my ideas into kind of as they come to me. And then a couple mornings a week, always the morning, because I'm definitely more creative in the morning, I'll sit down and go over those ideas and say, okay, what do I want to work on for the next three or four days? I haven't quite built up to doing a week's worth of content at once. It's just not the way my brain works. But two mornings a week seems to work really well. So kind of just being able to do that and then looking at some of the stats from my top three or kind of top four posts, you know, which were most engaging, what did people enjoy the most, what they share the most, and being able to repurpose that or include some of that into some of my new posts is is my process right now. That's a fantastic process and it's working for you and it will build with time. And I love that you're being mindful of what your strengths are. You're a morning person, your brain works well doing X, Y, and Z, and then you're following that, being mindful and sensitive to the process and, and letting it develop. 
Yeah, so when I look at kind of my ideal day, I always have the creative parts in the morning because, you know, as soon as lunchtime hits, I kind of switch into mom mode a little bit more thinking about school pickup and after school and supper and all those things. So anything that needs to get done creatively needs to happen in the morning. Yeah, absolutely. I'm the same way. I think that's great. <laughs> and how do you stay realistic and committed to what you're able to do given that, you, you know, you are mom, you have a lot of tasks going on and there's COVID. Yeah. Well, thankfully in the Netherlands, we're almost out of COVID now. Things are almost back to normal. But I think that when you're in business, and this is certainly something that I learned a long time ago, but I'm reminded of it every day, that it, you you have to have an understanding that it's always going to be two steps forward and one step back. It's never a linear path, ever. It doesn't matter what you're doing, even if you have the best idea in the world, it's never going to be a straight linear path, that you're always going to have ups and downs. And so I've learned over the years to be able to use that downtime and say, okay, is this time that I need to do something else? Kind of, is this time given to me by the universe to kind of just slow down, but also just reflect on what's working and what isn't and what feels good and what doesn't. So I now appreciate those pauses because sometimes you get momentum going and things are going really well that when you get the pause, it can feel really scary, but I now really appreciate them and try and use that time just to reflect. Yeah, it's fantastic and totally underrated as far as taking time to reflect. <laughs> and the work isn't just about making money. You know, I think that when you find your passion project, whatever it is that you're really passionate about, for me, it's primarily about making women's lives better. And I don't ever get tired of that. That's something that I enjoy doing every single day. Fantastic. And that's the beauty too, if we go full circle of niching down is finding what you love, what the market wants and putting Absolutely. And it really makes what we do so rewarding as being business owners. Yes. And what advice would you have? Two questions for someone starting out. And also, since you've got 16 years in practice and you switched to virtual, what advice would you have for somebody else in practice, maybe brick and mortar that has to go virtual? Or, I mean, you already talked about niching down, but any other kind of things you want to say that you, you think would be helpful for those two types of people, somebody new and somebody who maybe is scared to go virtual after they've been in practice for a while because it's, so, it's just so, so foreign. Yeah, I just don't try and figure it out all at once. You know, so when I first made this transition, which was made a little bit easier by the fact that we were moving, I had like a hard stop to a previous practice and business and I had like a hard start to another. But, you know, I had this idea that I had to have it all figured out at once. I had to have the website. I had to have this. I had to have that. You know, I had to have whatever EMR software I was going to be using. Like, I didn't really appreciate that it could evolve that, oh, I started with one software and then I learned about another and I made the switch and it was okay. I got my website up and running, but it's not perfect and it's not finished and that's okay. Like it doesn't have to all be figured out all at once. So if you want to move to an online piece, just, just make the move and just take it one step at a time and just don't be afraid to learn and don't be afraid to change because it will always change. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's fantastic. Solid. Solid advice. And as long as I don't have to join my daughter on TikTok, all will be good. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. And then what's next in your business, Jen? Right now, I'm continuing to focus on my group program and the Thinking Woman's Guide to Menopause and how I can continue to improve that content to help the women that I work with. And my goal is currently to have two groups of 12 running about 10 months of the year. So that I think that that's a realistic goal for the type of business that I have while still wanting to maintain that that group, that sense of community with the women that I'm working with. Fantastic. Thank you for sharing your story and uh, your, your progress is amazing. Love the work that you do. 
if you could just remind everybody where to follow and find you on Instagram and, and social and any other final thoughts. Yeah. So you can find me at menopause.nutritionist and I have evergreen groups or kind of continually running groups starting uh, mid-July for my Thinking Women's Guide to Menopause, which is a four-week online group program for women in, ev- women in every stage of perimenopause who are looking to manage their symptoms naturally and find food freedom and just have a better relationship with food and themselves. Fantastic. If you identify as a female dietitian or student, apply to my coaching program. I'm accepting applications now. My clients go from zero to exceeding their sales goals. I save you time, energy, and I show you how to confidently become a dietitian boss. Thousands of your colleagues from around the world are doing it, and so can you. Apply on my website at LibbyRothschild.com and check the show notes if you want that link right away.